Welcome in, welcome in. Episode 40 of the Peach State Tailgate Sports Podcast. I'm Kenny Cochran, joined by Mr. Jake Hugh. Oh, yeah. We are T-minus two days. First of all, I guess it's safe. April 25th. Welcome back to the show. We are T-minus two days from the 2023 NFL Draft. And tonight, we got a special one for you. It's Mock Draft Day. Oh, oh, raw. We are ready. It, 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 is, it is an exciting day. This is the day that we wait for. This, to me, is is probably a top five best sporting events ever. Um, maybe it's not the most exciting thing for most casual fans out there. Obviously, you're seeing people's names get called, and you don't get to see them touch a football field for a couple months. But as an avid sports fan like me and Kenny, to watch guys at the college football level for years and get to witness the greatness they have at the college level, get to make their own dreams come true and pursue a career in the NFL, um, you can't ask for much more. Obviously, draft day brings a lot of tears. It brings a lot of happiness. It brings a lot of joy. A lot of great things happen on draft day. And as a fan, it's nice to just sit back and admire um, these young men, you know, pursue their dreams. It's really a time to reflect on college football players, too. Because, mm-hmm. like, obviously, we're big pro ball fans. We like the Falcons and the NFL as a whole. We talk about these guys all the time and excited to see what these teams can do and bring some of this talent in to develop. But... It's also kind of a time to look back at some of the guys in this draft class. I mean, you talk about just Georgia alone with Jalen Carter and, you know, Broderick Jones, Nolan Smith. Like These are guys that have been staples for our program for a long, long time. And uh, we get to watch them make this transition into the league, take the next step, figure out where they're going to go. Because, I mean, I'm sure you can testify to this too, but I'm a Falcons fan. You're a Falcons fan. But, you know, seeing these Georgia boys go up to the league, it makes you pull for, you know, when McColl's with Kansas City, you know, made mm-hmm. you want to watch game or Taylor or, or um Dag um drawing a blank uh Roquan Smith with the Bears it made you want to watch a Bears game you know obviously Roquan gets traded and that goes how that goes but I mean the list goes on and on with Trayvon to the Jags and you know every year we see guys like this I mean look at Matthew Stafford dude like Matthew Stafford is one of the most talented ball throwers of all time but you know Georgia Bulldog and a guy that played for a terrible franchise in Detroit for a long, long time, was super underrated, finally gets a Super Bowl ring, and Georgia fans all over the country were tuning in to watch that game. So um, just super exciting time, not just for Georgia fans, even though we are, but for all college fans to see these guys go and, and figure out where they're going to end up. So the basis of this episode right here, um, this is an exciting one. Just to give a little pre-context of what we're going to be doing, um, me and Kenny both have our own personal mock drafts prepared on our own computers. Um, we have not shared with each other um, our drafts. We don't know mm-hmm. nothing about who... I don't know anything about who Kenny has, 1 through 31, or he doesn't know anything about who I have, 1 through 31. And as of right now, we're planning on splitting this thing up into two parts. Um, we're going to do 1 through 16 tonight, and then tomorrow night we will hop on and do... 17 through 31. Um, There's only 31 picks in this year's first-round draft due to Miami having to forfeit their pick due to those medical doctor issues they had during the season. So mm-hmm. we have a very exciting day um, incoming, and I think me and Kenny both can speak before we get this thing started. Um, I know I have no idea. <laughs> as much as yeah. like I talk and think I have an idea of what is going on, whenever you hop in front of a computer screen, you have to muster together 31 picks out of a name of out of hundreds of different names. And then you have to try to, you know, pinpoint what teams they go to. You're trying to think about what team has which weakness and 
you know, maybe that position group. Um, and then, you know, you try to take some inspiration from other mock drafts, but it's kind of hard to find updated ones. And, you know, maybe you don't agree with those people. If you're somebody that has, you know, a pretty good college football mindset and you have a relative knowledge of most of these guys in the top 31, you might not have the same agreements on who's better between two no. players as, you know, some of these guys do. So, and no. I, I, I tried to keep my personal, uh, you know, my personal thoughts out of this. I tried to go as completely realistic as I could. Um. And I'm sure as this mock draft kind of kicks off, I'll kind of touch on some of those as we go to give you my ideas of maybe that's not my guy I would have picked, but this is what I think is going to happen. Well, I certainly commend you for that because mine is very biased. (laughs) I respect (laughs) it. it. I did these picks as if I was the GM for these teams and how I think they should build their teams. So, you know, both ends. Look, this is why it's called a mock draft, guys. This is not going to happen. So we're mocking it up, trying to figure out what's going to happen, and you guys can mock us afterwards. Yes. But, I mean, think about the quarterback class, dude. Like, Anthony Richardson, he's been rumored to be the number one pick. He's been rumored to be a top five pick, and then some people have him outside the top 20. And they come out and say NFL GMs think him or Will Levis is not a first-rounder, and Hendon Hooker is going to be gone in the top 20. It's like what nobody knows what's going on. We have no idea. And – to be completely honest with you, I always go back to this because this is my point of reference. Last year, when Carson Wentz, or two years ago, when Carson Wentz got traded to the Commanders, it was breaking news for two weeks because it was the offseason and there was nothing else to talk about. This is exactly what's going on right now with the draft. I love Trayvon Walker. He's a damn good dog. He's a legend. We love him. Aiden Hutchinson should have been the number one pick in the draft last year. Yes. And was going to be the number one pick in the draft last year for a year. Mm-hmm. And two days before the draft starts, all of a sudden these Trayvon Walker comments start coming out. He goes number one. I think he's going to be a, a great NFL player and have a great career. But up until this point, Aiden Hutchinson has been a much better football player. Yes, I agree. You can even but make the argument that Kayvon Thibodeau has been a better football player. Exactly. He's a exactly. guy. He was he was number one before Aiden was. Exactly. And Aiden and and, and Aiden's going to have a great career, man. Or. Uh, Trayvon's going to have a great career. I, I'm fully committed to that, and I fully believe that. But this recency bias for the draft is crazy, and it happens. And you see the stuff with C.J. Stroud and how he's got the terrible test on the whatever thing that they take, the cognition test that they give these guys. And then the developer for that test goes on the Pat Magby show and says, yeah, all of those scores are wrong. Like, we don't release those to the public, so nobody knows what these guys made. So now it's like, now that C.J. Stroud's fallen out of the conversation for the number one overall pick because he had a bad score, this guy comes on here and says, yeah, that's BS. The score was good. Nobody's, nobody's talking about C.J. Stroud anymore. Now Will Levis is the number one pick. Like, I, <laughs> nobody knows. Yeah, no, not one lick of an idea. That's, that's the fun part about trying to do mocks. Um, you listen to some of the best, some of the you know biggest football insiders out there that have all the sources in the world, and they are still going to miss over 50% of the time. So... That's that's the very very fun thing about this, and like we said, the thing about the mock draft, the thing about doing a draft and doing a mock draft is it's come me and Kitty waited so long, things change. Hell, to be honest, by the time we put the episode out on Wednesday night, tomorrow night, um, by the time about noon on Thursday, the day of the draft, I guarantee you there's gonna be all types of rumors swirling about. Oh, we might get a Will Anderson first overall pick rumor going. Like you never know. Um, but I will say this, and just before we get started, um, the quarterback class does make things in- intriguing. I will say we've had quarterback classes over the past decade. 
had a couple of them where, you know, people have mocked him. Oh, we're getting four straight quarterbacks off the rip. Um, and, you know, that was the year that we had Zach Wilson and Matt Jones and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. A lot of people thought all four of those guys are going to be gone. And we saw how that played out. Um, but drafts can play out in very, very strange ways. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. So I'm pumped, dude. You ready to get this thing kicked off? I'm ready. All right. Do you want to do the honor of taking the number one overall pick, and then I'll give mine, or do you want me to just lead us off? I got it. I got it. Okay. Here we go. With the number one pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers select Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. Okay. 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 I got I got Bryce going here at one for one obvious reason. And for me, it's been that Bryce Young has been number one quarterback in this class for a long, long time. Yes. We heard a lot of rumors and a lot of the recency bias. And even if you listen to the show, me and Jake kind of hopped on the C.J. Stroud QB1 train immediately after that college football playoff game. And, uh, you know, we sit back and we cool off a little bit and we realize, you know, what we're looking at. And for me personally, I look at Bryce Young. I've watched this kid play for two and a half, three years now. And um, I can count his mistakes on one hand. You know, this dude has played incredible football for such a long time. The size thing is always a concern, and then you compare him to guys like Kyler and Russ and the play style and everything. But the, at the end of the day, he's got a great arm, and I know the NFL game is so much different than the college game. It's faster. It's more athletic. These guys are you know the best athletes in the world. But size is – you can't replicate size. And the talent that the University of Alabama is bringing in – is the same exact size as NFL players. They might not be as good as NFL players, but when you got six foot seven, three hundred and forty pound tackles, that translates to the NFL, boys and girls. I'm here to tell you that right now. It doesn't get much bigger than that. And Bryce Young was able to win a Heisman behind them boys. So I see no reason to believe why his size is going to hold him back in the NFL, barring some kind of injury thing. You know, who knows? That's always the risk. But to me, Bryce Young is going number one. We know the Panthers are taking a quarterback here. That's for sure. Um, I think it's Bryce Young. I think it's got to be. Okay. Okay. Well said. And with my number one pick of the 2023 NFL draft, I have the Carolina Panthers selecting Bryce Young, quarterback. Alabama. Right. So hey, we're one for one right there, baby. Um, right, no. and and I could say very similar things to you. Um, Bryce Young is the number one quarterback in this draft, quite quite frankly. Um, in a quarterback draft that is full of question marks, um, size is the least of my worries. I'm I'm gonna say that right now. Um, I agree. And like you mentioned it, he did it against some of the best talent we've seen at the college football level. Um, it does not matter what you throw at Bryce Young, he is a magician, is what I would like to call him. Um, you made the comparisons to Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. Um, Kyler obviously kind of has a little bit of a work ethic issue, had kind of a head coaching drama thing go on. And, you know, people look at Russ in 2022 and they find all disrespect. But, I mean, if Bryce Young turns into Russell Wilson, that is a very, very successful number one overall pick. Let me just say that here mm-hmm. now. <laughs> I mean, Russell Wilson was a top five quarterback for a decade. So um, the, the sky's limits really with this kid um, – I, I do know the question marks with size and durability. Um, he did kind of have a couple of like nagging injuries go on last year, but he showed toughness. He battled through it. Uh, didn't really let it stop him. Um, and I do believe that his pocket presence and his athleticism that he shows whenever he's facing pressure at the college football level, I do think that is going to translate well to the NFL level. 
Um, I will say that being the number one overall pick in any NFL draft is normally kind of like a death wish. <laughs> um, it, it's really a bad thing. Majority of the time, you're going to a bad football team, and I, I don't think that's any different here. I don't think Carolina is a great roster. Um, but there are worse situations to go into, and uh, I, I do think with a bad roster, Bryce Young can be the guy that can make the most of it. He is the guy for Carolina. And I hate to say that as a Falcons fan, just thinking about having to face this guy. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the scary thing, right? But, hey, I look at it like this. We had to face Bryce all throughout college as George fans. We got two national championships out of it. Yep. So, hopefully – the Kirby Smart effect will carry its way into the NFL, and the Atlanta Falcons can do it against Bryce in the league. So, fingers crossed. But, um, yeah, it's got to be him one. I agree. So, now that we're going to number two. Um, you, you do. You my, do. My turn? Okay. With the second overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft, the Houston Texans select Will Anderson Jr. Edge from Alabama. This is an interesting pick. Um, this is the one that everybody is kind of scratching their heads at right here. Everybody's kind of wondering, what is Houston going to do at number two? And I will tell you, I think Houston is going to go edge. And the reason behind that is I really do think Houston is going to try to build a winner outside of the quarterback position before they try to pursue a quarterback. This is a bad football team. This is probably the worst football team in the NFL. And whenever you have a guy like Will Anderson on the board, um, the guy that was the number one, like, kind of like the guy we talked about with with Aiden, the guy that has been the number one yeah. overall pick for probably two years now. I mean, people were saying he would go, he would have went number one last year. Um, yeah. The upside with this guy is tremendous. I mean, uh, the floor is super high. We've seen great production from him at Alabama for three years now. Um, four six speed at six three and a half and two hundred and fifty three pounds off the edge is crazy. He has great arm length. Um, my negatives for Will Anderson, sometimes he does show a little bit of lack of effort in the run game. And if you look at his sack production, a solid bit of it comes off of stunts. He's not, you know, last year he didn't really succeed very well in one-on-ones, and it kind of showed against Tennessee. So I did kind of note Tennessee's right tackle, Darnell White. Um, right, he did have a great game against Will Anderson, kind of shut the door on him. So that's my one little question mark on Will Anderson, but... Like I said, the floor is so high and the ceiling is also so high that he's, he's pretty much a can't-miss guy, in my opinion. I agree with you here, Jake. I have Will Anderson at two, going to the Texans. Um, nice. For a different reason than you do. Um, now, obviously, number one reason is because he's an absolute stud and you'd be stupid not to take this guy. Um, I think he's going to be a generational talent headed into the league. We've been talking about this guy. Also, hometown boy, mm-hmm. Will Anderson. In your kind of guy, love you, Will. And um, but I think the reason that I have Texans taking him to may be a little different than you. You mentioned something there about building the winner around the team and then looking for your quarterback. I agree with you, but I think I agree with you in a different sense. So that's all I'm going to say for now. But Will Anderson at two, he's a Texan. Okay, okay, I like it. We're getting we're getting a little bit of a, a little bit of free contact shadow right there. I I, I, I see what you're doing. Um, Houston does hold another pick later on in this in this show, so I'm, I might get a little interesting going into there. <laughs> but but I like it. We're two for two right here, Kenny. Going into number three, um, who do you have Arizona taking with the third overall pick? 
So the Cardinals at three. Uh, the rumors have been, are they going to trade back? Um, no clue. But throwing that out the window, I've had the Cardinals taking one guy at three for the entire duration of them having the third pick. And this is Jalen Carter right here. Um, I love Jalen Carter to the Cardinals. I think this Cardinals defense has a lot of holes that they need to fill, man. And uh, you hear a lot of the stuff about Jalen Carter and the off-the-field issues. And I understand, man, the stuff, the tragic accident that happened on the UGA campus, the death of two students is a horrible thing. And Jalen Carter to be involved in any sense of the, you know, situation is just a, kind of a red flag. I understand that. There's been rumors of character issues. Um, so I get it. I get it. But when I look at this Cardinals team, and I'm looking at the depth chart right now, this is a Cardinals defense that is, you know, I just mentioned it with a lot of holes. I mean, your bright spots are Buda Baker, Isaiah Simmons, Jonathan Ledbetter, and that's really about it. I mean, you got Zayvon Collins, you got Kazir White, Chris Barnes. These are guys that are going to develop into more, uh, you know, hopefully big-time players for you. Not 100% sure, but the weak point to me is this defensive line. This defensive line is, is putrid. They could go pass rush. Um but looking at the age and, and, and looking at, you know, what this team is needing right now, I really think they're going to benefit from somebody to just mess up the middle of the field. And this is all we've seen Jalen Carter do his entire career at Georgia. Take on double teams. And, Lord, if there's anything that watching the NFL has taught us, it's that if you can eat a double team and help the linebackers get to the line of scrimmage, you're going to be able to be productive in the NFL. And that is exactly what Jalen Carter can do. And he can open up that line of scrimmage to some young, talented linebackers like Rashad Fenton, like Zayvon Collins, like Chris Barnes, Kazir White, guys I just mentioned. Um, and I think he could be a really, really big building block for this Cardinals defense. So I like Jalen Carter at three. Um, the rumors have been there at one before all the off-field stuff and before the Panthers trade. Um, if Anderson goes at two, I like Carter at three. Okay, okay, so so we're getting interesting here. D despite the rumors, you are still sticking with Jalen Carter at three. And my mindset was Arizona needs a ton of help on the defensive side of the football, so you take the best player available. I also have Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter going number three yeah. to the Arizona Cardinals. Three yeah. for three, baby. We're starting off high. Jonathan Gannon, brand new Arizona Cardinals head coach, coming, was he defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, correct? Yep. Let's just say in last year's draft, they drafted two Georgia Bulldog defenders um, on his defense. This team is almost like a dumpster fire right now. You bring in a guy like Jalen Carter, he is going to make an instant impact day one on that defensive front. We're talking about a generational interior pass rusher right here, a guy that you don't see often. Interior pass rushers are hard to find in the NFL. And if you can just scoop a guy like this at three, the best player in this draft, you have to do it. And I, I don't think they're going to question it. Um, like you said with the questions, they're there. But we've seen that kind of in the past in the NFL drafts. I know this one's a little bit more serious. I think there's a civil lawsuit out right now. But I think at the end of the day, just seeing what happened in the incident, it's so tough to talk about. It really is a bad thing to talk about. Seeing what happened in the incident, I, I don't really know if I put too much blame on the kid. Like, I, I, it's a stupid decision he made. Do I think it's a character issue? No. He's a 20-something-year-old kid that was out with his friends and a bad thing happened. Like, if, am I putting that on him? Does he have blood on his hands? No way in the world, guys. Let's, 
Let's yeah. go ahead and scratch that out the door now. Now everybody's saying this kid has character issues. I know, I guess you can kind of give Mel Kuyper some, some credit because he did say he had character issues a couple months before that even happened, um, which was pretty interesting. But I, I don't think that's a, that's, that's a real thing. Um, positives are everything. Like I said, most dominant college interior defensive lineman we've probably seen in, you know, who knows long how time. long. Um, my one... One negative. I have a, try to have a negative for everybody. My one negative is he didn't have the best game against Florida guard Osiris Torrance, which was probably the best talent he did face this year at the guard position. Um, that, that's my one note on Jalen Carter in the negative aspect. Other than that, like I said, he has the size, he has the speed, um, he has the strength, he has everything you could ask for. He's an absolute beast. Yes, and I'm surprised that we are three for three right now. I, I would have figured one of us were going to shake this thing up a little bit more. But we're, we're, we're kind of sticking. We're sticking to it a little bit. It's get it's getting to that point. I, yeah, we're definitely. I, I, yeah, we're we're going to be different on here. I, I can almost guarantee it. And All right. that takes me to four, right? Yeah. Well, who you got? Who you got? Oh, it's going to hurt me to say this. With the fourth overall pick, I have the Indianapolis Colts selecting Will Levis, quarterback, Kentucky. Um. There's no question Indianapolis is going quarterback. We all know that right now. This question marks apparently are there for C.J. Stroud. We're seeing the odds are boosting like crazy on Levis going higher in this draft. And Stroud is starting to decline. Um, if you know me, Will Levis is my fourth quarterback in this class. And this was the main thing I was mentioning when I said I was trying not to go against my bias. I was trying to go with what I think is actually going to happen. And when you look at this kid right here. The more I dug into it, the more I can try to find positives. He has every single tool to become a successful NFL quarterback. Size, strength, speed, you know, arm, arm ability. His, his arm is insane. Um, he played in a pro-style system at Kentucky. In 2022, it was a really down year, I will say that. But it was a bad roster. He struggled with injuries. The starting running back was suspended to start the year. A lot of things did not go his way to start the season. But when you look at Will Levis, you look at a guy that's an absolute grinder in the in the weight room. He's going to put in the work. He's a tough guy. He played through injuries. He can do it. Now, my negatives. Flipping the negatives. Turnover bug is an issue. Levis has a really, really bad issue with turnovers. His inter touchdown interception ratio is below 2-1. to one. So that's not very, very I believe, good. I believe Mr. Levis has more interceptions than he does game started. I would believe it. I want to say it's 20-something over the past two years. 24 like that over the past so. I think it's 24 to 23. That's – that. I, I believe it. Um, Saw that somewhere. Um, I will say, too, another thing with him for his size, he does lack pocket awareness, and um, he kind of struggles against pressure. Whenever he starts to get pressured, he kind of panics a little bit. And uh, hey, sometimes he misses the simple throws. Levis tries to overcomplicate simple throws sometimes. And if he could just kind of calm his game down, I think that he could turn into a really, really good NFL quarterback. All right. Um, I got Levis going at four to the Colts. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. And just to prove, yeah. just to prove to you, look. I have it printed, too. So, so we know, we know, we know it's not fake. Look, mine's not printed. Mine's I, pr I, I, I printed mine just, just for evidence. That, that, I don't have ink. Oh well, <laughs> well ju ju that that is crazy. But we're printed; it's <laughs> official. It is in in the books. All right, go ahead, go ahead with your explanation. Now we're talking. Um, I have Levis at four, and I hate this pick. Um, 
Yeah. I really do. I really hate this big dude. Um, you mentioned the good things about. Li- listen, listen, guys. The good things about Will Levis are that he's big and he's athletic. Yes. That's it. Yes. That's it. he can throw football a long ways. He can only throw it as hard as Stetson Bennett can. So I don't know if that means he's got a weak arm or Stetson's got the strongest arm in this draft class. You take that how you will. Yeah. Um, they were clocked the same in the combine, but he's big and he's athletic. Jake mentioned it. Expert analysis there from Jake. Jake killed it. This dude has, like, no pocket awareness at all. He's terrible under pressure. He cannot throw the ball across the middle of the field to save his life. Yes. Um, and I know he's got crappy receivers. I get that. He's got a horrible offensive line, crappy receivers. The only good tools Kentucky gave him was a running back. And, you know, I mean, that didn't really help. A, a power running back between the tackles didn't really help out a NFL caliber prospect quarterback in Will Levis. Um, and I found the stat, 23 interceptions and 24 starts. And um, I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with Kentucky's offense, but being an SEC East rival, it's not necessarily an offense where they're asking the boy to throw the ball no. 40 times a game. I want to say he actually had almost over 25% of his attempts were behind the line of scrimmage. I would believe every bit of that. Um. I'm very low on Will Levis. Here's my argument with Will Levis, all right? And I think he's going to the Colts because the rumors are there, and apparently the Indianapolis loves him. And, um, you know, he's essentially right now is being looked at as a lock to be the number two quarterback. So I put him here because that's what I think. So the part of me being biased is not involved in here. Um, I have been very notorious since we've been talking about the draft about me being not very high on Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. Yes. If you are going to draft a player purely based on physical and athletic potential, it should be Anthony Richardson. No doubt in the world. Should not be Will Levis. I agree. I don't think Will Levis should, personally, all right, I know Will Levis has had a much more successful college career on the numbers. He put together two average seasons where Anthony Richardson put together one. So that gives Will Levis the advantage. I get that. What you look at on paper is in Levis's favor. Yes. But you're not drafting Levis for what you see on paper. No. So throw that crap out the window. You're drafting this dude because of what his like, actual physical peak performance could be. And it's lower than Anthony Richardson. I mean, Anthony Richardson was a 10 on the athleticism scale. Like, Everything about Anthony Richardson was the same as Will Levis and then some. So, I don't get it. I don't love it, but I think he goes forward to the Colts. I'm so surprised right now, Kenny. Four for four, and I have a feeling that there's a chance we might go five for five. There's no way we don't. (laughs) Because this just seems like a layup. Kenny, who do you have going number five? Tyree Wilson. Five for five. All right, go ahead. Go ahead and give your explanation. (laughs) Tyree Wilson's a physical freak, dude. He's 6'6", 275. Former A&M transfer. Finished his career at Texas Tech. Ended with two seven-sack seasons to close his career. Dude dominated. He's massive. He's a freak of nature. And um, I think that's, you know, headed into the NFL draft, you're just physical build for physically dominant positions. Like... Offensive line, defensive line, uh, defensive back. We see with defensive back a lot lately where the bigger guys are getting taken earlier just because, you know, they can make a bigger impact. Um, and Tyree Wilson's getting that right now, dude. People are talking about him going ahead of Will Anderson. 
Mm-hmm. And um, if it doesn't happen, I think it happens right after Will Anderson. And I think the most likely scenario for him is Seattle right here at five. Um, I've actually got their depth chart right here in front of me. They are weak, weak, weak at edge. They've got Uchina Nuosu. That is it, man. That is it. Um, they really, really need help there. Seattle, if you follow the Seattle Seahawks, um, they extended Geno Smith. Geno Smith kind of revived his career in Seattle, sat behind Russ for a little bit, learned some things, and then came in and set a franchise record for yards or touchdowns, whatever it was. Um, Geno Smith, man, uh, you pair him up with Rookie of the Year candidate and Kenneth Walker, uh, really, really, I mean, a top 10 wide receiving duo in the NFL with DK and Tyler Lockett. Um, week at tight end, I could see them, you know, sliding up to grab a tight end. They got Noah Font in the uh, rust trade. Um, I don't know if he battled some injuries or what the deal was, but he didn't play too much last year. Um, offensive line is an issue for Seattle, and defensive line is an issue for Seattle. Linebacker's solid. They get Bobby back. Defensive backfield looks good with a, you know, defensive rookie of the year candidate and and Tariq Woolen and Jamal Adams and, and Quandra Diggs. Like, this, this is a really, really good team. The blueprint's there. They need help rushing the passer. Um, Will Anderson's off the board. Tyree Wilson's the guy. No brainer. I agree. I think that Seattle is in this situation. I know. Okay, let, let me, I, Tyree Wilson, number five to Seattle. If y'all don't know, that's also my pick. Um, I know that there are you know rumors swirling about maybe this is their chance to draft a quarterback. There's a lot. There's you know two developmental quarterback guys in this draft, and we already have one of them off the board. Um, I don't think that's the case. I think that Seattle is looking at this situation as a win-now situation, and they're, they're, they're going to do whatever they can to beef up this defensive line. Let me tell you this. If Jalen Carter does not go number three to Arizona, he is not making it past five in Seattle. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, if he's available right here, he will be the pick. But we don't have him available, so I have Tyree Wilson. Um, like you mentioned, man, great size, huge wingspan, all the physical tools in the world to be a dominant pass rusher at the next level. Um, he also has a really, really good knack to disrupt the run game because how physical he can get. I will say this. He's kind of one-dimensional as a pass rusher. Um, he's, he relies very heavily on that bull rush. It's kind of his only move he has right now. But if he can kind of develop his skills as a pass rusher, we're looking at a guy that is going to be a physically dominant freak off the edge. Um, a guy that not many tackles are going to run into. Um, and you mentioned him possibly going above Will Anderson. I want to say, at this very moment, I believe he is the favorite to be the very first defensive player off the board. So. That intrigues things a little bit. I'm not going to fall for the smoke show. We see it every single year. Um, I'm not falling for it, so that's the reason I have him here at five to Seattle. And you mentioned it. They struggle against the run. Um, their defensive front is terrible. So best player available yeah. on the defensive front is who their pick is going to be. All right. Six. All right, six. Can we go six for six? Um, in with the number one With the number sixth pick in the NFL draft, the Detroit Lions select Devon Witherspoon, cornerback, Illinois. I'm looking at Detroit in a similar fashion as I am Seattle. Um, I think Detroit is in a situation where they want to win right now. And the way you do that is you go out and get the best cornerback in this draft. I know there's a couple question marks who that is. There's, this is a very, very good cornerback class. There's a lot of guys out there that is in the conversation for this. But I think I'm rolling with Devon Witherspoon. This is a guy that's really, really trending right now. He's trending on the upside. I think most people have kind of Came up with him as their consensus number one corner in this draft. Um, he's great in coverage. Um, he is undersized, but he plays up. Like, he plays a lot bigger than what he is. 
Um, his ball skills are crazy. 14 pass breaks up last year in 2022, which is insane. I don't want to. I think that Pro Football Focus said he did not allow a single touchdown last year. Um, I will say he does get a little bit too physical when as the play goes on with wide receivers. He can get a little bit of handsy, which which is a pretty bad trait to have because we know how them flags fly in, in the pros. <laughs> um, and his speed is a little bit underwhelming. He has a tendency to where. You know, if, if a if a wide receiver gets down downfield on him, his hips and his speed doesn't really allow him to make up for that, you know, lost space. So he can kind of get beat over the top at times. But I do think he is a very, very good corner. And we saw, you know, the Detroit Lions are not the strongest at the cornerback position. I honestly can't even tell you they have. Um, I know that they were abysmal on defense last year. Absolutely terrible. I know Akuda. Cam Sutton. Cam Sutton. I know Akuda yeah. and uh, Mike Hughes are both in Atlanta this year. I think they were both spent last year in Detroit, so. We took two of their guys. I'm pretty sure they're pretty weak at corner. Um, I think it's a pretty trendy pick right here. I like this pick, Jake. I like this pick for you. Um, I do not have the Lions taking Devon Willerspoon at six, and that's because I do not have the Lions picking at six. Okay. Trade alert. I don't know what the draft noise is. Man, man. But, uh... First draft day trade. I mentioned earlier the Houston Texans. This is where they make the move. The Texans have heard the rumors. They know the Cardinals aren't taking a quarterback. They know the Colts love Levis. They know the Seahawks are going to take next player available. And the Raiders are sitting there at seven with a 30-some-odd quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo who has injury problems. And nobody's sitting underneath him but Jarrett Studham. Studham. I respect it. That's right. That's right. If anybody is poised to take a quarterback in this situation, we know the Lions aren't taking them because they like golf. It's going to be the Las Vegas Raiders. So if there's a team that's ready to go and they have a guy that they like and they need to go in and make a move, the only option to do that from right here is six, in my opinion, and jumping ahead of Vegas. And this is where the Houston Texans slide in. And the Houston Texans, with the sixth pick in the NFL draft, take C.J. Straub. Okay. Okay. And I love this for Houston, man. I think if you draft Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud in the top 10 in this NFL draft, I think you have hit a home run. I I don't think you could draw it up any better, man. I I know everybody wants to talk about the test scores. Listen, those were not right. Those were false. The test scores were wrong. They did not come out right. Everybody says C.J. Stroud is a football guy. He's smart. We've seen the interviews. We watched this guy play against Georgia. Do not let this draft recency bias get into your head, boys, because C.J. Stroud – is a dog, and he's dang sure looking like a better prospect than Will Levis. That's what I'm so, talking about. C.J. Stroud is going right here at six to the Houston Texans on my board, and I would love to see that, and I would love to see this Houston Texans team build around C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. They got to commit to a guy. We saw what they did with Deshaun Watson, man. Obviously, all the stuff fell apart. They can do it. They're, they got D'Amico Ryans in there. He's going to build the defense up. They bring in a guy like Brent or um, what's his name? Uh, Robert Woods, a veteran receiver. They're going to bring in some young guys. They're going to turn this thing around, man. They got a good, solid, young offensive line. They just re signed Laramie Tunsil. He gets a bag. They got Damian Pierce. 
Like, this is a team that really has an opportunity to build some pieces. It's going to take a few years. They're not going to come out here and make the playoffs with C.J. Stroud. If they do, it would be a miracle and give this guy the MVP. But I think as far as building blocks go, if your bottom two Jenga pieces are Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, you did a pretty damn good job. I like that. We're shaking things up a little bit. Pick six. Nice. You have Houston, Houston two picks in the top six. I like it. Yep. I like that. And by the way, just to give some background on this, they did have to give up quite a bit and move up to six. If you remember in the Deshaun Watson trade, they got a uh, plethora of picks from the Cleveland Browns. In this trade, I have them giving up their 12, so they're pick swapping from 12 to six with Detroit, so Detroit moves to 12, Houston moves to six. They're also giving up the first router that they got from Cleveland next year in the Deshaun Watson trade, They're giving up, and they're also giving up next year's second rounder. Okay. So they swap picks this year, give up their second-round pick, and then they're giving away Cleveland's first-round pick from next year from the uh, Deshaun Watson trade. Nice. Nice. In order to move up. And um, that brings us to seven, and I believe this is me? Yes, this is you now. All right, big boy alert at seven. C.J. Stroud has taken off the board. The Las Vegas Raiders come out. They said they like Jimmy. They're going to ride with Jimmy. I love Anthony Richardson. He's the next quarterback on this board. I think Anthony Richardson has the ceiling. He's got the athletic ability. Guess what? He doesn't want to learn from Jimmy G. That's not who Anthony Richardson needs to learn from, boys and girls. Um, Las Vegas Raiders with the most abysmal offensive line in the NFL. Take Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern to come play left tackle for him. Okay. Okay, Peter Skaronsky coming off at seven. I like it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There's a big uh, you know, back and forth right now between him and Paris Johnson. Um, I personally really, really like Paris Johnson. I like uh, what I saw from him against UGA. Obviously, he gets dominated by, you know, one of our young true freshman pass rushers that you guys will know soon after. But um, as of right now, what I've seen from Paris Johnson, other than that, he's been outstanding. And, hey, you can't hate on the guy from getting dominated by a dog. Everybody gets dominated by a dog every now and then. Mm-hmm. And um, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, boys. But, um yeah, Skaronsky, he's pretty much the unanimous number one offensive tackle in this year's draft. Uh, the Raiders, man. I don't know, Jake, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the Raiders. That is a bad depth chart. Yeah, yeah, Raiders Raiders are uh, not very good. Solid at quarterback. Solid at running, or really good at running back, I should say. You got Josh Jacobs, Zamir White, Amir Abdullah. Um, really, really good wide receiver room. Honestly, pretty good tight end room with Austin Hooper and O.J. Howard. Who knew they got O.J. Howard? Not me. Um, but the offensive line is horrible. I don't recognize one name on their offensive line. And um, that's where Mr. Skronsky is going to come in, change this thing up for him. They're going to try and give Jimmy G some protection. Let him sit back there. Chop a couple dives to Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro. They got some dogs. And... Um, you got to give them all the help you can get because you got a good pass rush. you got a good young linebacking core. Uh, need, some real, need some pretty big help in the defensive backfield, but uh, for a team that's picking at seven, um, you're not expecting an offensive tackle to put you in Super Bowl contention, uh, but it's a dang good start. No, I agree. I agree for sure. Um, with my seventh pick, I did go a little bit of a different route right here. I have the Las Vegas Raiders selecting Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver from Ohio State. Now, you might think, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro. 
you're playing in a offensive heavy division, the AFC West, and the only way you're going to win football games is if you outscore your opponents. So not too worried about the defensive side of the balls, as weird as that sounds. And we're looking at a little bit of an issue. I, I do agree with what you said about the quarterback situation. I, I've seen where they said they're, they're you know, confident with Jimmy G, so I, I believe that Jimmy G has not done anything but win football games in his whole career. Now he must I just, I just don't think you feel too good about Jimmy Garoppolo being the guy to mentor Anthony Richardson. Um, I still have C.J. Stroud alive right now. so Yeah, that's true. That's true for you. You, you absolutely do. I don't know if you feel good about – Jimmy Garoppolo mentoring anybody because of the whole Trey Lance situation. No, um, I agree. Dude was throwing a ball in a different practice field, so I'm not 100% sure what that was all about, but hey, continue. Um, and the main reason behind that is is um, Hunter Renfro had a down year last year, injury-riddled season, only had 300 yards receiving. Um, Devontae Adams, who knows how long he's really going to be spending in Vegas. So what you do is you go out and get the best wide receiver available in this draft, and that's Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, I really felt like this is going to be two picks. I know people were kind of falling off Jackson with the jig, but I've seen Mox I had him in like 20s and stuff. I do think he's the best wide receiver available, and he might. He's not the best skill position guy available. I'm not going to get that mixed up. But when it comes to draft value, I do think he is probably the best skill position offensive player that you can get. So a team's going to jump out. There's going to be one of these top teams that have a top 15 pick that's going to end up jumping at this guy wanting to bring him in. And I think that might be the spot with Vegas. Now, breaking him down a little bit, um, he has had great production throughout his career at Ohio State. We look at 2022, it was a little bit of a down year, but he finished it very, very strong, having put together a couple good performances. Um, I will say that his speed is kind of in doubt right now, and uh, people are kind of saying he's a slot-only guy. But in the NFL, that would kind of work. And if you mix him out there and you have a group of Josh Jacobs running the ball, Jacoby Myers, um, Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams, and Jackson Smith and Jigba catching the ball, you could put together a pretty high-powered offense. Um, like you mentioned, the yeah. offensive line is pretty bad, so who knows that they're really going to touch that right here. Um, that is a position that is very strong. So maybe you might have took the right path right there. This is the one that after that I was talking to you earlier about that I picked it, and then I was kind of second-guessing. <laughs> Dude, it happens. I got a million of those in this first round, so I just haven't got that yet. All right. Um, eight. Eight. I think you start this one, right? I do. And this is, I have a trade alert. Oh. The Atlanta Falcons have traded the eighth overall pick to the Houston Texans. Um, the Atlanta Falcons will, will be receiving 12, a second rounder in this year's draft, a fourth rounder in this year's draft, and a sixth rounder in next year's draft. I'm just throwing it Love together. Love that. I'm throwing it Love together. Love that. Getting getting some Love draft that. capital for Houston to move up four spots. And I threw you a smoke show earlier. With the eighth overall pick, I have the Houston Texans selecting CJ Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, so they were building around the rest of their team a little bit longer than I was, but only for about two picks. Yes, yes. I, I, I was trying to throw a little bit of a smoke show because I didn't want to give away my big re- reveal, and then you just did it two picks early. So thank you, Kenny. All on the same wavelength. Thank you, Kenny. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say this in two aspects right here. Um, obviously Houston cannot go into the season with Davis Mills at quarterback. That's not going to happen. Um, that is a way to get somebody fired. Um, to get allegations that you are tanking. Um, a lot of different things can happen if they decide to make God, that decision. Doug. Yeah, Doug sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and say that straight up on the podcast right now. Um, oh, no. 
He had a good rookie year. He was very bad last year. But you look, you, you're right. Um, they, they do have a little bit of talent. Talk about Damian Pierce, running back spot. He was about their only bright spot on the offensive side of the ball. He can't do everything. Um, but man, they're gonna have to give this kid some time with this with this roster. This this Texas roster is really really bad. But I thought with with what when you picked him at six, I thought the same thing when you picked him at eight. It's an absolute steal. You can't pass on a yeah. guy like that yeah. with with that pick. Um, you get a quarterback like Stroud with six or eight, it is a steal of a lifetime. Um, Stroud has the ability to make every throw on a football field. You know, I don't really care what's going on off the field apparently. Um, with with test scores and stuff like that. Somebody said that he has an attitude problem. Couple, a couple of different things going on with CJ right now. The thing I'm worried about is what this kid can do on a football field, and it is a lot. Um, I do think he is very underrated as, you know, with his legs. We didn't really take too much into consideration when we played him in the college football playoff, but he was kind of running all over us, so he kind of showed that ability off a little bit. Um, and that's another positive I have. He probably played the best quarterback game we've seen against the University of Georgia since Joe Burrow in the SEC Championship a couple years back. Um and I, I think the main question with C.J. Stroud that a lot of people are kind of throwing out here is that he might have the fourth highest upside among the quarterbacks. Um, obviously, everybody thinks everything about Young, and then people think that Levis and Richardson have a ton of upside. Um, but I, I don't care. If this guy comes in and he's Dak Prescott with the eighth overall pick, I think you're perfectly fine with that. I, I don't think people understand, like, how quarterbacks work. <laughs> like, it's... It's hard to find a good quarterback. Man. It is hard. Like, I guarantee you, most likely three of these guys are going to suck. I'm not going to say yeah. which three, but most likely one of them might be a decent starter. One of them might be a superstar. The other two are probably going to be backups in three years. Like, that's how the NFL draft works in the first round. Um, mm-hmm. That's the interesting thing about it. But I do have the Texans taking C.J. Stroud. Just like you do, just two picks later. All right. All right. Well... With my eighth overall pick, I do not have the Falcons trading, and this is where we take Devon Witherspoon. Devon Witherspoon, you're going corner. We're going corner. Let's go, baby. Let's go. I wasn't going corner, but uh, we released the boy, Casey Hayward, after he failed a physical. And um, you you bring in a guy like A.J. Terrell, drafted him a couple years ago, who's been an absolute stud. Um, And then you bring in, uh, what's his name? Mike Hughes. Yeah, well, I mean, Mike Hughes, but I'm thinking of... Uh, Jeff Okuda? Jeff Okuda. There we go. Don't know why I'm drawing a blank. Uh, former, what, third overall pick? Really high pick. Ton of potential. Top five pick. Ton of potential. Uh, injury riddled career so far. Head into his third season, I want to say. Um, you trade pretty much nothing. Bring Jeff Okuda in. I think you're looking for another guy to come in here. It's, it seems like Jeff Okuda is probably going to be that slot guy. Maybe Mike Hughes, I'm not 100% sure. But if Jeff Okuda, if the plan is for Mike Hughes to be the slot guy, Jeff Okuda to line up, other side of A.J. Terrell, um, you know, you're, you're hoping for the most out of A.J. Terrell, or out of Jeff Okuda that you possibly can get. But up to this point in his career, all we have are aspirations. We don't have any proof. And um, you're leaving a lot to be desired in the corner position if you don't take a top talent here. And um, – I, honestly, I think Devon Witherspoon is the guy to make the biggest day one impact on this Falcons team. Um, it's between him and Christian Gonzalez to be the first corner off the board, in my opinion. And um, this is where the bias comes in. I did not take Christian Gonzalez because um, I don't want a guy on my team that gets burned by my college team in week one of college football. So I agree. I agree. Devon Witherspoon, welcome to the Falcons. Devon Witherspoon is a stud. Um 
I think right now we have almost everybody the same. Uh, the only people that we have different so far through the... we ha I have Jackson Smith and Jigby. You have Peter Skaronski going so high. But everybody else, we, we've had we've had the same, which is which is really nice. Um, that leads and us to nine. Here. Nine is 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 a fun one, Kenny. I'm gonna let you let you get us wrong with nine. Um, I mentioned earlier it was a two way battle for the first big boy off the board, and at nine, I've got the Chicago Bears taking Paris Johnson, come play tackle for him, block from Justin Fields. Um. They need the help. They need to build up this offensive line. Their offensive line was abysmal for a running quarterback. Justin Fields got sacked a lot, and he needs some help. He needs some protection. What better way to protect the man than with his former teammate, Paris Johnson Jr.? Bring him in. Skronsky's off the board. Bring in Paris Johnson. Paris Johnson is a really, really good college player. Justin Fields knows him. Ohio State family. They got that Ohio bloodline. Obviously, Justin Fields, not an Ohio guy, but uh, ended up being one. So, bring Paris Johnson in, and... Um, Honestly, I don't have too much of analysis on Paris Johnson other than first tackle off the board is going to be him or Pete, and um, whichever one goes first, the other one's going to Chicago if one's already gone. You know, it's, it's next best one available for Chicago, in my opinion. I don't think they look anywhere else but offensive line. Okay, I like that. And with my ninth overall pick, I have Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle from Ohio State. So we're going the same route okay. right there. Um, same idea. You have to protect Justin Fields. Um, he has shown flashes of greatness, and I feel like his only downside right now, not his only downside, he's shown more downsides, but the thing that's really killing him in his career is his lack of protection. <laughs> if you get this guy an actual capable offensive line, the sky's the limit, I think. I think that we've seen enough, you know, talent from Justin Fields to show it, and I think Chicago knows that, so I think they're going to push really, really hard. And you're, you're right. I think this guy is, you know, undoubtedly a top two tackle prospect in this thing. I know you had Skronsky go before, and he's Paris Johnson's my first tackle I have off the boards. Um, but but this guy right here. The good thing about Paris Johnson, he has experience at both the left left tackle and right tackle position, I believe. So he, he is he is versatile there. Um, he has very, very good rhythm as a pass blocker. His only question really is is uh, kind of against the run. He really lacks power as a blocker. Um, not really as powerful as your Skaronsky or your Broderick Jones, but he is a very, very sure protector in the pass game. And I think that is what, you know, the more important aspect of being a good left tackle in the NFL. Yep. No, I agree. Um, I want to throw in this thing, too. I forgot to mention earlier. The reason I have Skronsky above Paris Johnson is because uh, Skronsky also plays guard. So you yes. can kind of plug and play him wherever you want. Yes, he um, is very plug and play. That's the reason I've got him going before Paris Johnson. But I like Paris Johnson um, a, a lot, and I could make an argument that he's the best pure tackle for sure. Um, you mentioned you can play him either side. So, yeah, that's, that's the pick for me. Okay, nice. Hey, that leads me to 10, right? Mm-hmm. So at number 10, 10th overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, I had the Philadelphia Eagles selecting Nolan Smith. Defensive end, Georgia. Um, and, and my first note I have is Philly loves Georgia boys. Uh, sure <laughs> Philly loves them Georgia boys. And Nolan Smith, he has a ton, ton of, great traits to be a great player at the next level fantastic motor off the edge dude does not run out of gas he always is at 100 percent at all times um he's undersized but he's actually a very very powerful edge rusher which is pretty unique with him i want to say he weighed in at sub one at sub 240 but you would not you would not think that watching this kid on a football field he plays at like 260 250 in my opinion he also kind of fits that 
you know, Philadelphia scheme where, you know, they load up on defense. They have a lot of guys that can get to the quarterback. You add another guy that could potentially be a double-digit sack guy with that defensive line already and Hassan Reddick on the opposite side of the, of the line with him. Boy, could he create havoc. It, things could get really scary having two guys that run four or five speeds coming off the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and this defensive line is deep. Don't get me wrong. This is not a pick. This is more of a luxury pick, but Philadelphia is in a situation where they can make a luxury pick. Like this roster is still very, very good. Um, and not to mention the chemistry. Um, this guy is he's probably the best person in this draft, undoubtedly. I think everybody kind of realizes he's the best teammate. He's probably, character-wise, you can't get better than Nolan Smith. Um, you bring in a winning character into a winning environment, um, only good things can happen from there. Um, my only negative with him is that his sack production probably was not as high as that you would like for the tenth overall pick. But I also That's kinda, a Georgia thing. I was about to say I also kind of attribute that to Georgia and uh how fast quarterbacks, you know, make sure they get the ball out against us. Right. I love that, Jake. We're pretty similar here, not to give too much away. Um but I don't have Nolan going at 10 to Philly. Um, I do have Philly picking at 10, but with the 10th pick, I've got them taking B. John Robinson. Okay, okay. Philly going B. John. Little Miles Sanders replacement. Little Miles Sanders replacement. They lose Miles to Carolina, obviously. Quick stats for you right here. I thought it was pretty interesting when I looked it up, did a little, you know, counteracting. It uh, made me think about it a little harder. Um, last year, B. John Robinson. In 12 games for the Texas Longhorns, accounted for 1,894 total yards and 20 touchdowns. 1,894 and 20. Mm. Last year, Philadelphia Eagles running backs contributed 1,794 yards and 19 touchdowns on the ground mm-hmm. for the Philadelphia Eagles. And you're losing a 1,300-yard rusher that accounted for 11 of those touchdowns. you got to replace them. And um, B. John Robinson is the guy. I think he's running back one in this class. There's been rumors about Jameer Gibbs. I also love Jameer Gibbs. Um, but sorry, Jameer. B. B. John's the guy. And um, I love B. John here. I think he's perfect for Philly. He's going to go in there and be a beautiful, beautiful one-two punch with Jalen Hurts. And I'm excited to see what that Eagles offense can do with him. I love that. Um, that That is a fantastic pick. I, I agree. I think that Miles Sanders' lack of production or lack of playtime really in that Super Bowl kind of made people forget of how good of a running back he actually is. Like, the dude puts up numbers. He puts up production that needs to be matched somewhere. And uh, I think Bijan's a damn good comparison to him. I mean, probably a better version of him. This is the best running back prospect we've probably seen since Saquon Barkley is what people are saying. So I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, 10 to Philly. Again, luxury pick, but hey, man, that's a damn good luxury right there to have. <laughs> I'm getting the fuzzies about 11. I think we might match each other. Just just a little prediction out there. Is it my turn? Um, No, because you just, yeah, yeah, because you just said Bichon. I said Nolan, so yeah. Sure. That's right. With the 11th overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Tennessee Titans are drafting Anthony Richardson. Hey. Is that who you have? More or less. <laughs> Man, it had to happen at some point, and uh, I feel like 11 is a really, really good spot here for Anthony. 
Where that boy at? Okay, let's go, baby. We in there. We in there. Dude, I love this situation for Anthony because um, you heard the recent reports that the, the Tennessee Titans have fully lost faith in Malik Willis. And Malik Willis was Anthony Richardson last year. <laughs> so, uh, love that for Anthony this Richardson. I hope you, go, hope you can go in there, bud, and change their minds because uh, it didn't work out last time. But, hey. Another situation for Anthony Richardson that is very, very interesting because I talked about him not having a great mentor, Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe the only quarterback in the NFL that could be a worse mentor than Jimmy G is Ryan Tannehill. And um, that's where I think Anthony Richardson is going to go. So I love that I'm making a lot of sense here with my mock drafts. Um, But there's a good chance that Ryan Tannehill is no longer a Tennessee Titan come the NFL draft. Um, there's a good chance that Malik Willis is no longer a Tennessee Titan. And the Tennessee Titans might be the one team in the NFL that Anthony Richardson would start day one for this upcoming NFL season. Um, not sure if that's going to be the best thing for Anthony. But, hey, you know, Dan Orlovsky says, throw, throw Anthony Richardson out there day one. All he needs to do is play. Don't expect the best play from him, but let him play. Let him get some game time in. And um, I tend to agree with that the closer we get to time. Um, this is a guy that's got all the physical traits. He's, you know, Cam Newton 2.0 is what it looks like. And, um, you gotta let him get in there and play, man. The Titans really have a pretty good supporting cast. This is a really competitive AFC playoff team for a couple years now. And they've just fallen off the cliff the past year. And they really, really need some help. If Anthony Richardson can come in there and play day one, I think you, you know, give him the opportunity. And uh, Tennessee, I see that being the best fit for him. All right. So, number 11, you have Anthony Richardson. I also have Anthony Richardson, quarterback from Florida. Um, and for similar reasons. Um, we've seen the rumors come out that Tennessee is going to try to pursue a quarterback. Um, again, like you mentioned, I don't know if Tannehill is going to be there. Obviously, they tried Malik Willis last year. It wasn't really much of a risk. They got him, you know, mid-rounds. I'm going to say third, fourth round. So, it wasn't much of a risk to really go out there and get the guy. But, I mean, you're talking about Malik Willis times five times 10 right here when it comes to like athletic traits. Like I know Malik Willis is a freak of nature, but some of the sparks we've seen from Anthony Richardson at the college level, they're there. Like, like we, we, we've definitely seen it against, against good talent. It's just a matter of fact that this kid can put it all together on a football field. When I say kid, I'm not exaggerating. I think people forget this kid cannot drink a beer Thursday night when he gets drafted. He is 20 years old. Try to find Crazy. a successful college quarterback at 20 years old. Not the, it, it, it is insane to think this guy is going to be entering the NFL at 20 years old. And I think that's kind of the underwhelming thing that, you know, people aren't really talking about much. This kid has four to five years to catch up to some of these guys we're talking about. I mean, Will Levis is his, he, I think he's going to, he's 24. He'll be, he'll be 24 his rookie season. So I'm in the same aspect, going back to Will Levis, what you were talking about earlier. If you're going to draft a physical freak to play quarterback and hope you can develop them, this is your guy. And I think that if Tennessee could bring this guy in with Derrick Henry, with Traylon Burks, with some offensive weapons that they have, I think he could, you know, turn out to be something special. Um, he was my third third quarterback on the board behind, you know, Bryce Young and Will Levis. Or Bryce, not, on my own personal rankings, behind Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, um, I did have him above Levis for the same reasons you had mentioned earlier. I think the physical tools are there. And no, he did not show much. You know, he did not show many great things at the University of Florida last year. I'm not going to deny that at all. Most of the play that we saw was ugly. But the good thing about him is he doesn't have much tape. Like, like it, 
It's a good thing, but a bad thing at the same time. No, you're not drafting off his college numbers. You're drafting off off his flashes and off of his physical traits. You mentioned it. This is the most athletic quarterback we've ever seen enter the NFL. Statistically, when you look at the numbers, he is the most, at least that has participated in a combine and has been drafted to the NFL. Um, And the one thing about Anthony Richardson that I love his legs are going to play. Like, if he can just become an average throw of the football, he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. I mean, nobody's talking about replacing Justin Fields right now in Chicago, and he hasn't done much great things through the air. Like, he's been a runner, but he does it damn good. So it kind of kind of works out that way. And I think Anthony Richardson's floor gets elevated so much just because of his ability to run the football. I agree, 100%. I mean, you're not drafting Anthony Richardson for his college tape. For some reason you're not drafting Will Will Levis. Um, it's a comparison of who's got the better physical traits, and I mean it's clearly Anthony Richardson. So I think if if you're drafting a guy based on that, it has to be him. Um, the only reason I don't have him going before this is because the Colts love Levis apparently. So, mm-hmm. but I'm with you, dude. AR at 11 to Tennessee is a lot for me. They they don't like either quarterback on their depth chart, and um, I mean unless they go up and get Hendon Hooker, Stetson Bennett. Anthony Richardson sitting right here. So, yeah, and I kind of agree with you too. Um, I think Houston, you know, moving up for Stroud, no matter where you rank him at, I think Houston kind of knows if you put Richardson in Houston's system, it's going to be a dumpster fire. Like, there's mm-hmm. that, that's not a system for him. You put him on a Tennessee team that already has, you know, it has some pieces. Like, there's pieces on Tennessee's football team where they can be successful. I think it's a little bit right. better of a situation. If you want to give Anthony Richardson the best chance to be successful day one in the NFL, let him run the read option with Derrick Henry. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Let's see how defensives go against that. Yeah, that'll that'll play. I can guarantee you that. You can either tackle six um, three two fifty, or you can tackle six five two fifty. Pick your choice. Yeah, you choose. <laughs> you can. Yeah, you can tackle four three, or you can tackle four four two. Yeah. Like, you, you, take your pick here, buddy. Um. All right, twelve. This is uh, this is Detroit for me after the trade with Houston. But I believe you're up to go first here. Yes, and this is Atlanta for me. After okay. the trade with Houston, we both traded Houston's pick. <laughs> yes, we did. Um, and with the twelfth pick in the NFL draft, I have the Atlanta Falcons selecting Peter Skaronski, offensive oh. tackle from Northwestern. Now, the reason I had him fall off this board a little bit or fall down to that number two spot, because it does seem like he is the number one offensive line in, in most most things, him, Paris, Campbell are kind of one and two. The reason I have him falling down a little bit is because of some question marks to play the tackle position. A lot of people are kind of claiming his arms are short. At the college level, he did get beat by some edge rushers that did have longer arms than him being able to outreach him. But the good thing about Atlanta is he's not going to be brought in to play the tackle position. No, he's not. Peter Skaronski will be brought in to play that left guard spot, Next to Jake Matthews. And guess what? Next year, whenever Jake Matthews has the ability to be cut and you open up $24 million some odd dollars in cap room, um, or maybe it doesn't happen next year, maybe two years from now, there's going to be a time where they're going to look at Jake Matthews' contract and decide maybe we want that cap room instead. And at that time, you can then slide Peter Skaronski over to that left tackle spot. Um, and like you mentioned, that's where his value is. His value is being able to play multiple spots in the offensive line, whether it be interior and exterior. And I think Atlanta is going to take full advantage of it. It might not be the most exciting pick. I know everybody, this is our pick here. So everybody, all the Falcons fans want to know it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's Peter Skaronski for me, Northwestern. I like that. I like that. 
Um, I've got Detroit at 12. And at 12, I've got the Detroit Lions taking Nolan Smith. Okay. He fits the, he fits the build. Fits the yeah, building. Uh, I, think, I think MCDC will love Nolan Smith. It's a damn shame Jamal Williams isn't there anymore. Man, I'm telling you. I'm <laughs> telling you, these guys will be best friends. Um, but no, man, you look at the Lions depth chart. <clears throat> I'm pulling it up right now. Thought I had the tab open, but I didn't. Um, obviously, we talked about Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson's an absolute stud. He's a, a you know, a franchise pass rusher, and um, they have, you know, definitely made the right decision with him. But other than Aiden Hutchinson, this team is extremely, extremely weak off the edge. Um, their next best edge rusher is Charles Harris, mm-hmm. a 28 year old uh, first round draft pick back from 2017 from Missouri. And they really, really need some help, man. This Lions team, roster's pretty good, dude. You think about what this team gave up last year in the Hawk trade, sending TJ Hawkinson to Minnesota, and you're like, man, they need to get a tight end. Let me tell you something right now, dude. The Detroit Lions have a guy named Brock Wright, a 24-year-old, second-year guy from Notre Dame. Came in last year and played after the Hawk uh, trade. 24 targets, 18 receptions for 216 yards and four touchdowns. This, and he can block. This dude, he can play. And I think they're going to give him the opportunity to play before you talk about going up there and getting tied, a tight end in this year's draft, which I will say this tight end group is very, very good in this year's yes. draft. So uh, it's going to happen at some point. Somebody's going to make the move and snag one of those guys. And I think this tight end group is so condensed between three or four guys that when one tight end leaves, the rest of them are going to go shortly after because they're going to people are going to be scratching to get one. Oh yeah. Um, and I could see, or I could see a lot of people thinking that the Lions would go there, but I just don't see it. Um, they've got Jared Goff. They're going to run it out with him at quarterback. They've got a good running back room. They got DeAndre Swift and David Montgomery. The wide receiver room is loaded. I know Jamison Williams is going to be suspended to start the year for five games, but you still got Amon Ross St. Brown. You got Josh Reynolds. You got Marvin Jones. You got Cleef Raymond. These guys are no slouch. Um, and the offensive line is really, really good. You get a young left tackle in Taylor Decker, a generational right tackle in Penn Acewell. Um, You got Graham Glass now. You got Frank Rag now, Jonah Jackson. The offensive line is probably, personnel-wise, top five in the league. Um, in my opinion. And you look at the defense side of the ball. They bring in Cam Sutton from the Steelers to come play that corner position for him. They bring in C.J. G.J. from the Eagles, who had a career year last year. I think this team is primed to have a big, big year. Um, they just need to fill a couple spots, and I think the most important position right now for them is going to be that defensive line and that pass rush. And um, you talk about a draft class that, Will Anderson's off the board. Jalen Carter's off the board on the interior. Tyree Wilson's off the board coming off the edge. Right now you're looking at on my board, Nolan Smith, Lucas Van Ness, and Brian Breesey are going to be probably my next three up ranking-wise. And I love Nolan here for Detroit. I think if Nolan went in there to do a pre-draft interview with the Detroit Lions, they would already have him picked in their brains. I agree. I agree for sure. That just seems like the environment and the player, the match can't get much better than what that team. Like, it just nope. makes too much sense right there. Um, and luckily enough, Detroit does have another first-round pick that we'll be able to talk about tomorrow. So they can add uh, even more talent. Um, 
But that brings us just to 13. Kenny, I think you lead us off at 13 as well. All right, 13. This is hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious because the Green Bay Packers are picking up 13. They have one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the football game in any level, in Aaron Rodgers, and they lose him. And they get Jordan Love. It's Jordan Love time in Green Bay. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet now. It is official. Um, and one thing Aaron Rodgers has wanted for a long, long time is a first-round wide receiver, and they never gave it to him. Well, buddy, you're gone now, and the Packers are taking Jackson Smith and Jigba at 13. Okay. Okay. Now we're talking. And I think this is going to be perfect for the Packers. Maybe the worst position room in any group, in any team in the NFL is the Packers wide receiver room. It is abysmal. I mean, it is so, so, so bad, Jake. And a big reason for that is because Alan Lazard is gone to New York with, with Raj. And then, obviously, you got a, an absolute stud in Christian Watson. Dude had a great year. He's going to be a great player in the NFL. But other than that, you got Romeo Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs is, I mean, you saw flashes. Everybody talked about him, but, you know, battled some injuries, didn't play that much. Their next guy up is Samori Torre. No clue who that is. Never heard his name before in my life. Samori Tor. Samori, I have no clue. I don't even know how you pronounce it. <laughs> this team needs some you. help, dude. They need some help. They haven't made any veteran moves. I expect them to address wide receiver in the draft. And in a very, very, very weak wide receiver class, in my opinion, the clear number one, Jackson Smith and Jigba, if you have an opportunity to draft them and you need a wide receiver, you take them. No questions asked. I like it. I like it. And I am going a similar route. Um, and it's not a wide receiver, but it is a pass catcher. With the 13th overall pick, I have the Green Bay Packers selecting Dalton Kincaid. Tight Let's end go, from baby. Utah. Um, Tight end one. Big Bob's out of town. Big Bob is in Chicago now, so no more Robert Tanyan. Um, their number one tight end on the depth chart is Josiah DeGuara, who put up a whopping like, 100 and something yards last year, 114 oh. yards last year. So I think this is where they really, really filled that position. And maybe it's not you know the same position, but it kind of is. You know what Dalton Kincaid is. Dalton Kincaid is not your prototypical guy when you look at the tight end position he definitely is more of your travis travis kelsey more of your darren waller more of your kyle pitts more of a receiving threat than you know a typical inline tight end and i think that's where he's gonna get a lot of value this guy is an insane athlete at the tight end position um different type of athlete and the thing with him is man he can get downfield real quick he's got the speed to you know split the split the middle I don't want to jump the guard too far, but I think Green Bay could be looking at this guy. I think there's multiple teams that's looking at this guy, and they just see Travis Kelsey written all over him with his ability to make plays after the catch and you know his ability to get open, his athleticism. There's so many traits that this guy has. Um, my one knock on him is he's not a run blocker at all. <laughs> this guy is Ooh. not going to block at all. But the ability to make off plays the down, ball. Yes, off the ball, tight end. Pretty much like your slot receiver. Throw that boy out there, and he's going to be a thousand yard receiver at tight end. Um, and it's the same aspect that you have. Get Jordan Love a little bit of help. He's going to need it big time. Um, I love that, Jake. You know as well as anybody. I am high on Kincaid. I love Kincaid. Um, I'll. I would fair to say that there are few NFL draft prospects ever that I've liked more than Dalton Kincaid. I really, really like this kid, and I think he's going to change an NFL offense immediately as a rookie. And mm -hmm. um, I, I'm in love with him, dude. I, I really am. Um, 
I entertained the thought of the Falcons taking Kincaid late first if the opportunity arose, if the plan to move Kyle Pitts out wide was still a thing. And um, I think any team that can get their hands on Kincaid has got a freaking gem, dude. And um, I love that he was first tied in off the board for you because um, he's going to be for me, if you haven't already assumed that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we'll just have to see when that is. Well, you, you know, I mean, I wasn't always the highest on Kincaid in the pre-draft process. I had guys yeah. ranked before him, you know, even after the regular season ended. Like, I mean, there was times I had, you know – Michael Mayer from Notre Dame or Darnell yeah. Washington up there with him. Obviously, and I like Mayer too. I really do. Things play out. But, uh, yeah, I, I think looking into it, I think that you just see the potential. And obviously, you kind of bring this up with, like, Levis and Richardson. You just hope that that, that, that this guy can meld into the best player in the NFL. And mm-hmm. I think your best upside of that happening, or the best player at that position, I think Dalton Kincaid is, is the most likely out of all these guys to become the best at that position. For sure, for sure. Um, I guess this is you right here at 14. This is me at 14. And uh, at 14, I have the New England Patriots selecting Miles Murphy, defensive end from Clemson. Um, Miles Murphy, man, what a what an interesting uh, draft thing this has been going with Miles Murphy. This is a guy that was mocked. Um, people are saying he might not even make it to eight with Atlanta. He was the number three defensive lineman behind Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. And then we saw guys like Tyree Wilson pop up. Then we saw guys like Lucas Van Ness pop up. Um, a lot of good defensive linemen in this draft. I don't see him sliding too far. I, I think that 14 is the spot. Um, I will say New England tends to surprise with their first-round draft picks. They're always kind of one of those hard teams to predict. Um, but I, you can never have too much edge help, and I think that they did not have the best production out of their edges last year. I think they have Josh Uche, who did put together a pretty solid season off the edge. But not much outside of that. Um, he has the size and length to be an NFL pass rusher. He is very solid against the run. Um, he also has a full tank gas at all times. Now, we'll say this. A lot of people are really surprised at this guy's production at Clemson when you look at it. I don't think he was the most productive pass rusher that we've seen. Kind of goes back to Nolan Smith. Maybe not the most production that you would want him to get, but I think this guy has a lot of tools. And you get him in that New England defense, I think that he could turn out to be a really good player. I like that. And the reason I like that is because I also have Miles Murphy going to New England here. It's nice. nice. Yeah. Um, this is one of those situations where you get to 14, you see the Patriots pick, and you look on their depth chart, they got a lot of holes, and you realize Miles Murphy's still on the draft board. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, they're definitely going to take him. Yes, so yes. Uh, you mentioned it, man. New England, they're just a wild card because you never know what's going to happen. But – at this point, in my opinion, Miles Murphy is probably my number one guy left on the board, at least that, you know, realistically for position by position. And, um, you know, we're getting into the zone to where I'm all about Kincaid, drooling over Kincaid over here. If any a team in the NFL doesn't need tight end help, it's the Patriots. And, um, you know, they got Hunter Henry, who's the beast, and they need help so many other places. Mm-hmm. That uh, I, th- I think going elite edge rusher here is probably the move. Yes. And uh, like I mentioned, let's not forget this kid was somebody that just a couple months ago we were talking about being a top five guy. Like, right. I know drafts change as we go on, but he still has a, a tremendous upside. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy. And I have a feeling 
we might be matching each other with the next pick too. Because I feel like this is a pretty, pretty interesting one. Maybe not. Maybe not. But uh, a lot of a lot of people are mocking this next one. I I, I agree with them. Um, what is whose turn is it? It's your turn. Your turn. You just said Miles Murphy. For the New York Jets at fifteen. Um, I've got the Jets taking Broderick Jones here. Yeah, I got the Jets taking Broderick. And um, you bring in Aaron Rodgers, and the goal is to win a Super Bowl right now, and you got to protect them. That's the only way you can win a Super Bowl. We've seen Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay for so long with good offensive lines, with bad offensive lines, and the teams are clearly different. And um, if last year's any indicator, David Bakhtiari hasn't played in about nine years. And, um, you know, you got a, a really, really good young core out there in New York. And some really good pieces on that offensive line, but what you're missing is a good right tackle. And Broderick Jones could be a really, really good piece here. Um, could even play left tackle and you, you know, do something with Makai Becton, maybe flip them. You've got the ability to move either one of these guys, and that's the beauty of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, loved it. yeah, it's a that that is interesting because I also have Broderick Jones <laughs> going over 15 to the New York Jets. Like I said, I think a lot of people have this move. Yeah, a lot a of people. One. He's 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 a lot of people's third tackle on the board. A lot of people have the other two guys going, you know, earlier on, and a lot of people think this guy's a dog, and he is. Trust me, we watched this guy at the University of Georgia. He is a freak. Now we'll say Makai Becton. I don't think he's played too many games in the past couple of years. I think he's been had had a lot of injury injury issues going on. So I, I think the position really is the only reason that Bradford Jones is not ranked a little bit higher. Um, he doesn't have much experience at the left tackle position. So if you draft this no. guy as a left tackle, the question mark is there. Um, we saw him play a lot of right tackle at the University of Georgia. Finally, this past season, he stepped over to that left side, which was really, really nice. And he was very successful there. But I think just the you know limited limited amount of tape he has at the left tackle position is what really hinders him. Um, he is a freak of nature at the tackle position. Let me just say that here. He is the probably the most athletic tackle in this draft. Um, yep. And the only knocks you really have on this guy is that just inexperienced you know he tends to drop his head sometimes going into blocks uh can't get a little bit hit with the bull rush every once in a while kind of give up some ground but other than that man he's great body control great hands everything you could want from a tackle and position versatility like you just said has has experience at both the left and right tackle positions which is always nice yep it's going to be a really really good one-two punch with makai beckton if makai can get healthy man he's a really really good player and he's about seven and a half foot tall so play oh yeah oh yeah so we're at the last pick of today rounding it out pick number 16 and this is a guy that cannot fall any farther at number 16 i have the washington commanders taking christian gonzalez cornerback from oregon um and i have it i have it written right here he's the maybe the best player available besides uh one guy still left on my board Bijan robinson uh, <laughs> I thought about it here. Uh, it does not make any sense at all. Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson. Um, I, I do think Washington's in a position, though, where I don't think they have a super big need at any like, outlandish spots. Like, I think that they have the ability to go out there and get a guy like Christian Gonzalez, who I think is probably the best player you know, outside of Bijan Robinson left on my board. Um, he's fantastic. Like, let, let, let me not overstate it. He did not look the best against Georgia. But when you look at size and speed at the cornerback position, you can just pull up a picture of Christian Gonzalez. That is him in this draft. He is your prototypical, like, big, lengthy, fast cornerback. Um, the tools are all there. 
Um, he has great hips, great feet, can turn around quick, doesn't really get beat too much. His only really bad ability is tracking the ball in the air. That's the only thing I've seen on him is apparently he has a problem turning his head around at the right time. And uh, he doesn't really do the best um, at contesting catches. Look, Jake, if we were going to have a competition and have a big judge about guys that didn't look good against Georgia not going higher in this first round, you got a 15-0 back-to-back national championship college football team, dude. Any common opponent on this list is going to be wiped off. Didn't lose a game, so not yeah. many of these guys looked good. Yeah. You think? You think if uh, if we were talking about guys that looked bad against Georgia not going high, either one of us would have Levis at four or Richardson at eleven? <laughs> yeah, no, dude. Like you can't. The only that's I, complete bias is why I took um, Devon before Christian, but I also have Christian going here at sixteen to Washington. He can't fall uh, anymore, right? No, can't, and that's what they need, man. That's what they need. I like I like Washington's depth chart a lot. I've got it right mm-hmm. here in front of me. I've been looking at it all night. Um, obviously, bringing Sam Howell at quarterback, you get a really, really, really good running back room. Yes, one of the best wide receiver rooms in the NFL. Great one of the room. absolute best. Um, a solid tight end and Logan Thomas, and a young developing offensive line. You bring in Andrew Wiley from the Chiefs. You got Sam Cosme. Real young guy out of Texas. You got Andrew Norwell from the Jags. Charles Leno playing the left tackle. You know, solid offensive line. They're going to be able to protect Sam Howell and open up some run lanes for those guys. And then on the defensive side of the thing, one of the best defensive lines in the NFL between Chase Young, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and Montez Sweat. Like, problem. Mm-hmm. All four of those guys, especially when healthy. Um, they could really use some depth at linebacker. But this draft is relatively weak at, at inside linebacker, and I think they look to improve on the defensive backfield. And with a, you know, they I could see Washington here, and I'll tell you, Jake, sixteen right here to Washington. I, this is where I almost had Brian Branch. Yes, um, yes, Brian Branch is is a very interesting player in this draft. He is a day one stud. He's so versatile. Yes, he is and, um, like Mika Fitzpatrick. I don't think Brian Branch or Christian Gonzalez benefit the team any more than the other um, because you need help at safety, you need help at corner. Maybe you could make the argument that because Brian Branch can you know, walk it down and play the nickel, um, that maybe he is a better fit for the team. But you know, either way you spin it, I think Christian Gonzalez has more potential out wide, and that's what this team really needs because yes. all they really have out there is Kendall Fuller. Yes, I agree. Um, just to mention Brian Branch right quick, he is also in the conversation for best player available right now. Like, if, sure. if he was strictly an outside corner, he'd probably already be off my board. But mm-hmm. seeing how the league kind of reacts to safeties, it's almost like the defensive running back. Like, you tend not to see safeties get drafted super highly, and I kind of have that worry that teams are seeing Brian Branch as a safety. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man, Christian Gonzalez is a freak. Um, it fits perfectly, Kenny, and I am very surprised of how similar our mock drafts have been. That's kind of insane. I think that's what I was saying before before we hopped into this thing. Sixteen or seventeen to thirty one is gonna get interesting. Yeah, seventeen through thirty one is going to get very interesting because outside of this is going to be wild. Um, just a little closing thoughts on Washington. You mentioned the offensive line, young and developing. I did kind of think about offensive line 
for them, but I do think the drop-off after these top three tackles is pretty drastic. Um, I'm not saying that there are not any more good tackles available. There are, but I don't know if they're really qualifying at 16. I will say, I think we did see Seattle take Charles Cross last year, and I don't think anybody had him ranked that high. So (laughs) you never never know. You never know. Cole Strange. I mean, there's a lot of offensive linemen that could potentially go. but, man, it, it, it fits so well. I also thought about, I, I was thinking, like, man, it just seems like it could be a luxury wide receiver. Oh, yeah, never mind. They have an absolute studded wide receiver room. Wide receiver is like every team's panic button. Like, oh, yeah, you don't know what you want to draft? Boom. Wide receiver. Yeah. You never have too many of them. <laughs> Their receiver room is really, really good. All right, so we made it through the first 16. A little breakdown so far. We both had one wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, I want to say the only people that... We are different on you had the only people that you had that you had go in your top 16 that I didn't was Bijan. The only person I had that you didn't was Kincaid. So we're only one. We're only one off pretty much. That's crazy. That is pretty wild. I can't wait for the next episode. Oh, it's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. We're going to have some shakeups for sure. Yeah, it's got to happen from there on out. That's whenever you start seeing the good teams. And when you start seeing the good teams that don't have many needs, you just kind of just find fill-in somewhere. Oh, yeah. Um, Boy, I'm looking at my bottom ones now. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be fun. That's exactly what I'm doing. All right, well, let's go ahead and close this thing up. So we got another episode we got to get to tomorrow night. Um, And I don't want to mess my sleep schedule up too much trying to get these things pumped out. So That's right. Got a nice little hour 31 for y'all tonight. And uh, we will catch y'all again tomorrow. It's going to be a fun time. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. And we'll see y'all next time. Catch y'all, nigga.